happy Wednesday, everyone. The day after Halloween, November 1st, Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. This thing just keeps racing by. And for week nine, we have a packed slate of games. I have all kinds of notes here. A-flat, B-sharp, D-suspended for the Pete Townsend chords. So I've got all my notes there, um, everything on my guitars. And we're going to skip the trade deadline stuff because it's more that's more speculation the Josh McDaniels firing. I mean, those are all obviously pertinent issues, but we have so many great games to get to, and that's really kind of what we do. So I want to start there. And I'd like to start with Thursday night's game, Titans at Steelers. And, oh boy, Will Levis. Uh, (laughs) Really interesting stat I discovered from this game. Levis was throwing either checkdowns or bombs, very little in between. Seven passes of 20 or more air yards, eight of zero or fewer air yards. His three touchdowns of at least 50 air yards is the most for any NFL quarterback since at least 2016. And my real quick notes against Falcons, and I'll turn it over to you. Clearly comfortable with the Titans' offensive structure with backfield deception, run looks to explosive passing plays, and zone reads. I mean, RPOs, I don't know, but he would read the defender and sort of make his decision there. Times when he should have taken the profit instead of going rogue, he blew two third-down opportunities that way. But he's got a golden hammer for an arm. We all knew this. When he could set and throw, and there were some really nice protection designs, they were getting some of those explosive plays out of heavy personnel where they'd leave the extra guys in to keep them comfortable. And I'll just say, if he's able to keep it together against a much better defense than the Steelers on Thursday night, and he will start, uh, Vrabel's already said, I think you rock with the randomness. I think you make him your guy. You're three and four. You've been an off- offensive purgatory for years. I think it's time to ride the Tiger, Greg. Yeah, I mean – you know, obviously you're not going to get those long completions every single week. So I think we need to understand that. Um, And I think as teams get a better feel for him as he plays more, um, you know, I was actually pretty intrigued by this game because normally the Falcons this season, they've been really, really good with their disguise, with their late rotation. Uh, They still did some of that. Uh, Obviously if you're throwing over the top of it, it doesn't necessarily have the same impact as if you're throwing into it. Um, Yeah. If you're you 20 yards past the safeties, it really doesn't matter how they flip. No, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, play action was a defined foundation of the Titans' pass game. 16 of his 32 dropbacks had play action. Half had him under center. Half had him in the gun. Um, he was very good with play action. Uh, so that's something I would expect to see more of. I would expect to see more shot plays because shot plays normally have – max pro either six or seven man protection um you know i think you know the one thing that will show up with levis um and it didn't show up that much in this game but it will and it showed up when you watched him in college as well was i think that he can have ball placement concerns at times Mm -hmm. um and even in this game there were some throws that some completions where the ball placement was not as precise as it needed to be I, lived, I did no a lot question. of tape piece, and I, there there are there are a few he's going to want back. But yeah. I mean, first start. That's okay. Oh no, no, no! But I think that's something that we saw in college as well. That's mm-hmm. not just something that showed up in the game on Sunday. Um, but I think the one thing that did show up is this offense looked different. They yes. were more vertically threatening. Um, the ball went down the field. Now, whether that was purely design or whether he's going to take those throws, whereas Tannehill would not. That. We don't know the answer to that without knowing what's in the head of the quarterbacks. Um, But there's no question that Levis is an aggressive mindset thrower of the football. And if he feels 
that he has a vertical shot available, he will take it. And actually, he would have had a bigger game because uh, Aquinco uh, dropped what yeah. was a beautifully designed play. I yeah. love the design of the play, and I was so sad when I saw him drop it because I thought to myself, God, if they win a few games, that's a film piece for my matchup show, but he <laughs> dropped it. Uh, but they did some some interesting things, and, and uh, I think the, the Thursday night game will be fascinating because obviously you've got – two tackles for the Titans that are not necessarily high-level pass protectors, uh, and now they're facing Watt and Highsmith, and mm. it'll be intriguing to see how they choose to protect. I've heard – I don't know what Cam Hayward said. I think he's, like, on the verge of being released from IR, and there's a waiting period. I don't know what that is, but that would obviously help their defense. Um, I wanted to get into Joey Porter Jr. has seen his snaps grow exponentially in the last two games. This is one reason that Levis might not want to hurl it deep. <laughs> He's allowed three catches on 14 targets for 32 yards, six area, six yards after the catch, no touchdowns, one interception, two pass breakups, and an opponent pass rating of 9.8, which is pretty good. Legitimate island corner with the aggressiveness and short area quickness the Steelers are obviously hoping to add to their defense. When he does get beaten, and I don't want to say boomer bust, but he was so – reliant on his you know outlier traits but when he does get beaten from what i've seen greg he doesn't get beat like horrifically beaten where you're going it's 20 yards out of the picture like what is he doing so he doesn't get horrifically beaten he doesn't get beaten a lot i think it's a big addition to their defense yeah i mean he's a rookie so we don't have a large enough sample size in the league we know he's what his traits are for the last two games basically yeah exactly i mean you know he we know what we saw at penn state and he's certainly big. He's athletic. He's got ridiculously long arms. He can run. He has every trait you would want in an outside corner. Um, but we'll see, you know, again, th- I think there was no question, Doug, that he was going to to become the starter at some point this season. This is a secondary that is not a high-level secondary by NFL standards in terms of what they put out at corner. So you knew he was going to start getting meaningful snaps and start. Uh, so it'll be interesting, you know. DeAndre Hopkins obviously came to life last week with Levis, but you and I both know you're not going to hit 50-yard touchdowns. That you know there were not a couple of those. Although I thought the shorter touchdown in the high red zone was a beautifully schemed play. Another play that I thought, wow, I could do that on the matchup show. I love the whole concept there, beautifully designed. Um, but yeah, the long touchdowns you have to be careful. Uh, no matter how big his arm is, and it's big, and I'm not saying they're not going to take their shots. And he may hit another one or two. That may happen. I don't want to act as if it will never happen, but I don't think you can count on those every single week. Well, the stat I just said from Next Gen Stats about three touchdowns and 50 or more air yards, the most since 2016, let, you know, let's not make the outlier the norm. That's- right. So you just have to be careful. I mean, it was a, it was a great opening performance. Um, you know, the thing that actually stood out to me more than anything, given their O-line this year, and I see Tennessee every single week, is he was protected. Um, and, uh, again, that was had to do some with their protection schemes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a team that's going to need to rely on six-man protection concepts more than five-man protection concepts because if they rely on five-man, they're going to have some issues. Yeah. Well, they I mean, they started off, well, I think the first three passes were short, and then he – get him in a rhythm and then he started bombs away. But I noticed that not only with the, you know, with two tight ends, they'd leave one tight end in uh, Henry and Spears, the running backs also helped with protection. So yeah, it was, well, they need to do that they protection have to. really well. They had benched uh, Dillard and then um, 
the right tackle Hubbard got hurt, so they moved Petit Frere, who had started at left tackle in place of Dillard. They then moved Petit Frere back to right tackle, and Dillard came in at left tackle, and in this particular game held his own. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I could talk about each of these games for half an hour, but we can't do that because you got to go narrate NFL matchups. So let's that get is to correct. Dolphins at Chiefs in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, I want to give you a few quick numbers here. Patrick, we've talked about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense with uh, two and three tight ends and how good it is. There is a very specific delineation. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes with two tight ends on throws of 0 to 19 air yards this season, a league-high passer rating of 133.8. Mahomes, <clears throat> two tight ends on throws of 20 or more air yards, a passer rating of 15.6. Mahomes with three tight ends on 0 to 19 air yard throws, 94.2 passer rating, three tight ends on throws of 20 or more air yards. Uh, he has not completed a pass, 39.6. Um, overall on throws of 20 or more air yards, 10 of 32 for 351, one touchdown, five interceptions, a league high eight turnover worthy throws. And you don't know what that stat means until you watch the tape. Then it becomes clear that that's legit and a passer rating of 44.7. The Chiefs aren't using motion. This is just my take. But they're not using using motion to disrupt in the passing game as much as I'd like to see. They'll move guys around pre-snap, but you don't see a lot of defensive disadvantage out of it. A lot of straight vertical routes and some combos. But as current receivers don't seem especially adept at separating with speed, they're not separation generators, as you like to say. They're formation diverse, but not in ways that really amplify the skills of their receivers such as they are. So I guess my general, it's not like Mahomes' arm just fell off. That's not the problem. But when you have an iffy group of receivers and you don't have those separation generators outside of Kelsey, how do you make the best of it? You know, trade deadline's over. They got who they got. Well, then it's then it becomes scheme. But, you yeah. know, it's funny you talk about 20 air yards. The entire league offensively is way down in terms of explosive pass plays, mm -hmm. um, which is a whole different conversation you could probably right. talk about for an hour. But – the whole we're going to lead with it soon because it's a definite trend. Yeah, I mean it's and and you know again there's there's statistics you can look at that are reflective of that. Those statistics don't necessarily say what the reason is, you know, and that that's a different discussion. And and you know I think that that's the discussion you have to have at some point is why do we think that's the case? Not just look at the numbers which are representative of the fact that it's true, but they don't give you the reasons. You know, it's it, it's it's the it's the discussion of analytics versus process. You know, the analytics is a, is results based. They tell you what the results are, but they don't speak to the process. So for the process, you go to the tape, and that tells you more. Right, right. So um, anyway, but getting back to Mahomes, you know, obviously he's coming off a bad game. Um, I would expect their offense. I would expect Andy Reid this week, particularly against a a Dolphins defense. Um, and I watched them this week because I was curious to see how they used Jalen Ramsey. And they mm -hmm. essentially played zone a large percentage of the game. Jalen Ramsey did not line up in press man on one snap in the entire game against the Patriots. Uh, Which so I think I, is know, the best way to play him at this point in his career. I think he's a better off guy. He's, I think he's really, really good as a zone defender. I think he, he probably studies hard. He has a really innate feel for route concepts and combinations. When to pass off when not to, I think he's a terrific, terrific zone defender. Um, but the point I'm making is, given that the Chiefs will probably see a lot of zone, it would not surprise me to see, and we've seen this over the last two, three years at different times, Doug, as you know, 
Andy Reid going back to quick rhythm, quick timing pass game to get Patrick Mahomes back in a little bit of rhythm. And it would not surprise me to see that since they're likely to face a lot of zone coverage. And that's really what they, they had this problem the first half of last season, and they started to hit it underneath over and over, just spam it underneath, and then yep. guys are down, and then you're going to have something up top. <clears throat> right. That's kind of what they yeah, I mean, there's two philosophies about vertic- the vertical game is that you can be aggressive and say, hey, we're going to force the vertical game by what we do with our deployment of personnel and our formations and our motions. Or you can say, hey, we're going to get get into the quick rhythm pass game, make you then have to respond to that. Human nature is you just kind of come up a little bit because, you know, after a while getting beat by seven, eight yard completions does add up. And then all of a sudden, then you attack vertically because of what you've done to the defense. So there's two different schools of thought. But I would not expect Patrick Mahomes to have a second bad game this week. Well, he had, a, he had the flu, apparently. And he, you know, only yeah, Michael- but, you know, one thing I learned from Ron Jaworski years ago is, you know, all you can do is evaluate a guy when he's out there. Right. Of course. You know, I mean, he was not – again, we have no idea what was going on in his head, but the tape told you that he was not mentally sharp versus the Broncos. He was not taking throws that were there. He got stuck in the pocket. Then, of course, he leaves the pocket. We've seen him make unbelievable plays when he does leave the pocket. But in this particular game, those second reaction Sandlot plays did not happen. So when they don't happen, it looks like he's just running around for no reason. Yeah. Um. I get, because of the trade deadline and uh, other things I was doing, I did not have time to watch Miami's offense against the Patriots. And we talked last week about how atypical that offense looked. Did it look more like what it looks like against the Pats? They struggled in the first half. I thought the Patriots had a good plan. They took away a lot of those first window throws. They did it in multiple ways. Of course, there's many ways you can do those kinds of things. Um, I thought in the second half, uh, they – they had more plays that looked like the Dolphins. I mean, look, their pass game, when you get right down to it, their pass game is built on formations, motions, rhythmic timing throws off three-step drop and quick five-step drop. That's mm-hmm. what their pass game is built on. It's not a true drop-back passing game the way we think of a drop-back passing game. It, 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 uh, Tua does not work through progression reads in the way we think of progression reads. Um their speed is such a big factor in everything they do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just the speed. It's how they set it up with those CFL motions, I call them, the, the across. Right, but I mean. You know, it's all that together. The, the speed is is a big deal yep. in, in combination with the motion. Because when you get those guys in motion, screaming off the line of scrimmage with free access, that's a big deal. I wanted to get into uh, the – if I were to – Tell you, Dr. Greg Cosell, that there is a new best defense in the National Football League uh, by DVOA. I don't even know what that, what that means. It's opponent-adjusted efficiency from, okay. uh, from my buddy Aaron Schatz and, and those guys. So it's analytics that actually make sense to a lot of people. But look, So from that standard and others, which is the best defense in the NFL after week eight, would you guess? Are you asking me You know who would be the best uh... – well, because I don't know exactly what that measures, uh, I, I I don't know if I could answer that question. It's Baltimore Ravens. I was, you know, it's funny I was going to say that because <laughs> because they I, I think they, I, I think they lead the NFL in sacks and yeah. they're a fascinating defense to watch because yes. 
they're a scheme-based defense in terms of quarterback pressure, not yeah. an individual-based defense. They don't have great pass rushers, so therefore they have to scheme pressure, mm-hmm. and they do a really, really sure. good job of it. Well, it's interesting because they play too high 65% of the time this season, which helps them to do all the stuff we're about to talk about. And this is Ravens Seahawks. Really yeah. interesting game on both, like, wow. Two first-place teams. Who would have thought, yeah. huh? Yeah, we're pretty happy up here in Seattle. Uh, now, they don't, as you said, not one big-time pressure creator per se. Uh, they get it done with scheme pressures that work for a lot of defenders in a lot of different ways. Kyle Van Noy is 16 pressures. They move him to either edge and also as a stand-up three-tech in their third down, five-man fronts and blitzes. He's a quick rusher who knows how to shoot gaps. Adafe Owe also has 16 pressures, primarily edge, but he'll also go on three-tech stand-up looks and nose alignment at times. They use Javian Clowney, who has 34 pressures, as a stunt player exploiting his ability to move quickly over multiple gaps. Justin Matabuki, who I want to mention again, regarded... Yeah, he's, he's had a good year for them. They've used him on the edge at times as well. Yeah. Eight yeah. of his 26 pressures have come from the edge or over the tackles. He's more the 300-pound guy who can do different things. Um, and Michael Pierce is their primary interior rusher, and he is a hoss at 6-0-340. Physically dominant player. That 340 flash- might be a little light. Well, you know, we're just going with what they tell us. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not in the training room with the scale. But physically dominant player who will flash short area quickness, but his job is really to take a guy and just push him back, and he does that really well. Jim Harbaugh has talked about how opponent-specific Mike McDonald's defense is, but what I really see is a lot of smart player deployment, getting his players to do what they do best based on their attributes and their skill sets. And as we've both said, this is as much about scheming it up as getting the guys in process. Yeah, I mean, until Owe came back, he missed a number of games. If I said to you that, hey, we we have a team leading the NFL in sacks and their two edge rushers are Clowney and Van Noy, you know, you'd kind of go, what? Um, But they scheme it exceptionally well. They do a great job. You talk about being opponent specific. Their defensive staff must, and I I say this based on tape study, must do an unbelievably good job understanding opponents' protections Mm -hmm. uh, because they do such a good job of attacking them and breaking them down, and they get people clean to the quarterback, which is rare in this league. I mean, I remember when I did the book with Jaworski and had a great conversation with Dick LeBeau, who's, you know, considered, he's not the pioneer of the zone blitz, but he was considered sort of the master of it for years and years. He said, hey... What's that? David Fulcher, baby. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, he he said to me, he said, hey, it's very hard to get people clean. What you're trying to do is get a great matchup. You're trying to get a really good pass rusher against a running back, you know, that kind of thing. But the Ravens have gotten people clean, and they do a really, really good job of it. I love the way they use Queen and Smith in their nickel fronts. Um, you know, Smith in particular, you know, he's become a big factor in the way they use him. Not not necessarily getting sacked, but just the way he's involved in dictating protections and then they're able to attack and break down protections. Um, So I think that Mike McDonald has done an unbelievably good job with all of that. And, um, you know, now that always back, he certainly has the traits to develop into a big time pass rusher. We'll see if that happens, but he certainly has the traits. Well, I remember uh, scouting Dax Hill and David Ojabo, who's actually played a little bit, uh, loved him before he got hurt. And, and watching Michigan's defense under McDonald that one year and thinking, boy, this is really cool. They were doing a lot of NFL stuff. I remember yeah, Dax Hill had a sack. I believe it was against Wisconsin because I think it was Graham Mertz was the quarterback then. He's at Florida yeah. now, obviously. And that was a classic NFL pressure scheme, the kind you don't see in college very often. And I remember thinking, 
boy, that's that's really good stuff. And it was Mike McDonald, of course, then, yep. and now he's back with the Ravens. And I think maybe what I, I haven't talked to Harbaugh about this. I mean, like opponent specific, I think they're really situationally specific. And I saw that at Michigan, like we're going to do point. maybe one of three things on third down. Maybe this is our first down look. Here's where we do fake mugs. He's just got those guys so aligned. And I just wanted to bring up his Michigan defensive concepts because it really stood out. I'm like, I, I thought myself, this is a really advanced, this is an NFL defense playing in college. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. And, and, and uh, you know, I think they're using Kyle Hamilton really effectively. I think they use Arthur Merlette really effectively yep. in some of their, their blitz concepts. So, you know, it's, Again, if you said before the season that one of their starting outside corners was going to be Brandon Stevens, who's played pretty much all season long at outside corner, some might say, oh, that's going to be a problem. It's not turned out to be a problem, not through the first eight weeks of the NFL season. Well, they have that 65% too high sort of yep. protection to give you. Yeah, a lot of shell coverage. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Not heavy blitz, heavy different pressures. You know, I think one one of the things that stood out, just trendy, you know, yeah. talking about trends, I should say, not trendy, trends in the NFL, you know, for, yeah, for years and years, people automatically assumed, oh, you blitz, you play man, or you blitz, you have to play single high. I think one thing that we've seen more and more in this league, and it just shows you how smart coaches are and how the game's constantly evolving, and we can get in at some point to what I see offensively, not, not today, but we can – think yeah. about this for future conversations. But, um, you know, I think one of the things that's really evolved is the ability of, of defensive coordinators to pressure out of shell coverage looks. And yeah, I think yeah, that, otherwise you're going to get your ass kicked. There's just, yeah, no, but I mean, you know, yeah. for years and years, that wasn't the case. Right. You know, it, it's the it's the evolution of, of thinking and of the game. Um, sure. and, and I think that that's, that's something that the, the Ravens do really well, but other teams are, are doing the same kinds of things. Yes. Well, here's another team, another defense that doesn't blitz a lot, a lot of stunts. And I want to get into the Seahawks defense, which we talked about a little bit. We talked about Baltimore's offense and Seattle's offense. I want to get into the Seattle's with the addition of Leonard Williams. Seahawks have only blitzed 67 times a season. They've stunned it 112 times. And the addition of Williams makes that really interesting. Pete Carroll said that he views Williams as an ideal three-tech for his defense. but And he also had some pretty evil uh, TT stunts with Williams as the as a looper and Dexter Lawrence as the penetrator. Yeah, they've done, they did that with the Giants. They they mixed and matched. You know, Williams was both a penetrator and a looper. You yeah. know, he, he has a lot of experience doing that from the inside. Now, the Seahawks do not have a Dexter Lawrence because nobody else does, but they do have dynamic interior guys, and Williams can really crank this up. There are also more times you'd think where Lawrence and Williams is on the field, and it wasn't like Lawrence was double teamed all the time. They would have to handle Williams, too, and I think he will see more of that in these fronts. But he's a good player, and that, you know, I'm I'm looking at their young edge rushers. Derek Hall had that speed to power at Auburn. That's showing up. Boye Mafia has expanded his pellets of moves. Really has a nice inside counter. And Daryl Taylor, I mean, talk about your freak athletes. He's still putting it together mechanically, but when he's on, watching yeah, he's, he's, the pocket is ridiculous. Yeah, coming out of Tennessee, I really thought he'd have a chance to be an excellent NFL pass rusher because he's long, he's athletic, he's flexible, he can bend, he can close to the quarterback, he can flatten his rush path. Um, but, yeah, they're an interesting team. I mean, they basically play 4-2 nickel with Brooks and Wagner as the backers. Yep. Um then they mix and match with what they want to do. I mean, we've seen them play Witherspoon at left corner. We've seen them kick Witherspoon inside as the yeah. slot corner. You know, when, when when he plays left corner outside, they play Adams as the slot. When mm -hmm. he kicks inside, you know, they, they take Love out and they essentially play Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, they have different combinations of what they do in the secondary. Um, you know, they play a decent amount of cover one. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're – 
they're an interesting defense. You know, I think they they have a lot of pieces that that are they can move around and and function with. And you know, I, I'm sure Pete loves that. Yeah, he, they're starting to ratchet up. And Witherspoon barely played any slot in college, and they he's really no, he did not play in the slot in college, like three snaps or something. Yeah. And he actually looked really good on one of them. Um, <laughs> so this is two fronts specifically that really know how to mess with your protections. Um, Charles Cross is back. Seattle's left tackle. Abe Lucas, right tackle. I don't know. Forty-one-year-old uh, Jason Peters actually looked decent in you know run blocking. Uh, hasn't played all year, <clears throat> and he's forty-one. Pass pro was a little weird, so you'd expect that. But, yeah, fascinating game there. Uh, running through these games at lightning speed because there are so many. Cowboys and Eagles. That's a pretty uh, big game, Cowboys-Eagles. Yeah. I think a few yeah. people might be interested in that one. I'm going to let – because I know you do Eagle Eye in the Sky with Fran Duffy, so I kind of lean on you, especially when I'm pressed for time to study tape. Um, we'll say, you mentioned on Eagle Eye that this was a real big Jalen Hurts well, that's the way they chose to play it. They didn't run the ball very much at all uh, through much of the game. Uh, so they obviously, against this particular opponent, the commanders, they felt they could throw the ball and work against their secondary. So that's the way they came out. And obviously they did that well. Um, well, Sanders like to bust coverage a lot, so I guess that works. Yeah, we'll see what happens against uh, the Cowboys. Cowboys play an incredibly high percentage of man coverage. Um, they are in incredibly multiple with their front looks. They have tremendous depth along their defensive line. They stun as much as any team in the league, and they are so good at it. Yes, and they line up with five across a lot. They move Micah Parsons around. They look for matchups with him. They'll match him up on the center. Um, You know, sometimes watching him when when he's working against the center, I feel like I'm watching, you know, Allen Iverson with a crossover. You know, he's just so quick. You know, yeah. I mean, it's... So, you know, they're, they're difficult up front, um, and they play fast. The entire defense plays fast. So we'll see. You know, this is a team that, that plays a ton of nickel, big nickel, conventional nickel, you know, depending on how they want to match up in a given week. Um, so this is this will be intriguing. You know, the one thing I will say is, um, you know, Hurts last week, I thought he played really well, by the way, but you could tell there were times his knee was bothering him. And, yeah. again, he has another week now. Did that happen in the game or was it like during? I think it happened the week prior, I think. Um, So I don't know what the injury is. They don't have to announce the injury specifically. Um, So, again, I don't know where he stands with that. But there were times that it was evident on film that his knee was bothering him. You know, he had a couple of runs, but he didn't run as much. Um, This is a a front that will get after him. They'll get bodies around the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, a couple just I just Dak Prescott was sacked on his first three dropbacks against the Rams, and he just lit it up, which was kind of interesting. You know that guy Aaron Donald, by the way, he yeah, was pretty good. And pretty it's good. funny, you know, it's, it's funny when you watch tape and you see every play. He made Zach Martin look bad a number of times in that game. I know. It's almost like we take him for granted at this point. Yeah, like, he's like Mahomes, where Mahomes has to throw for eight hundred yards, and we just go, "Oh, what a bum! He must be injured or something." Um, one and. I mean, I haven't watched the Eagles enough. It's just what I observe with broadcast and tape. It seemed like last year they had their run concepts and their passing concepts. And the thing that tied it all together so well was sort of the QB run game. Is it more segmented, if you know what I mean, this season? They're not doing that as much this year. I think they're conscious of not having Hurts run as much. Maybe Hurts is aware of it as well. Um, But they're not doing that as much this year, no question. Um, Okay. 
But, you know, you mentioned Dak Prescott. The last two games, the Chargers and this week against the Rams, were his two best games of the season. A couple of things stood out. Number one, he's throwing with great confidence. You can see him making difficult, tight window throws and feeling good about turning it loose. Um, And I think that's important for him because, obviously, he's thrown picks in the past, and sometimes that can make a quarterback a little gun-shy. He's been very aggressive, making difficult throws. The other thing the last two weeks – He's moved well. He's made second reaction movement plays. And And he's running. Yeah, I don't think that's his game necessarily, but he's done it, and then it does become a little bit of a factor. Uh, Our final game to talk about is Bills at Bengals, and a couple things here. In the first seven weeks of the season, the Bills went no huddle on 9% of their snaps. Against the Bengals, I bet it went up, yeah, probably by a wide margin. Against the Buccaneers last Sunday, they were no huddle on 28 yeah. Percent of their snaps, uh, fourth fourth most in the league for week eight. Allen completed <clears throat> 10 of 13 passes for 82 yards and 41 air yards out of no huddle. So not a lot of explosive plays, but it seemed to give the Bills the tie together plays they need to better sustain drives. His average time to throw was 2.36 seconds in this game, which is more what you expect from like the Dolphins. In weeks which one, for seven, Josh and- Allen, I mean, that was all intentional. They wanted yes. to develop a rhythm passing game. You know, look, they need. I think everybody knows that they need to do that. You know, Allen can make special plays. Allen, though, at his core, is not a refined, nuanced timing player. You've got to build that into what you do. You know, he's he's a obviously as good a second reaction player as there is in the league and can make those absolutely special plays doing that. But you've got to you just can't live on that. So you've got to build into your offense timing and rhythm and and you have to do that schematically. And I thought they did a great job of that in that game against the Bucks, both going to the no huddle, because what is what, what is one thing that no huddle does, as you know, Doug? No huddle kind of shrinks the defensive menu in terms Force of what you can do. Static when it doesn't want to be. Right. So, so therefore, you know what you're going to get from a coverage perspective, and then you can act accordingly, and therefore the quarterback can play with more timing, more rhythm, and be more decisive turning it loose. Well, in weeks one through seven, his average time to throw was 2.84 seconds on his dropbacks. Uh, last last week, it was 2.36. That's half a second, but a half a second, as you know well, Greg, is a, an eternity. In the NFL, that's about, that's about five years. And he had a 13% pressure rate, which is the lowest of his career of any game. So well, spin that. It, it all goes together, Doug, as you know. It does. So spin that to the other side. We haven't talked about – I keep threatening to talk about the Bengals' defense under Lou Anaruma, and darn it, we're going to do it now. <clears throat> yeah, they're pretty good. Well, like, it, they're an interesting defense because at its heart, it's a stack box defense, let a single high. It's more zone than man. Not yeah, they play a lot of single high. Like, yep. Yeah, he's almost like the anti-Fangio in that regard, and it works. Uh, there are openings to exploit against a single high coverage, but Anaruma's defenders are so smart, they're so assignment correct, the picture before the snap is rarely the picture after the snap, and that messes with a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, I specifically brought Purdy's second interception against the Bengals, actually against quarters, and linebacker Logan Wilson did a nice job of dropping as the middle hole defender as Kittle, uh, I think it was Ayuk, went over. And the 49ers want to test defenses inside the hashes in the passing game, and Uncle Lou had the answers for that. So the Bills are trying to sustain – and the Bengals have a lot of cool ways to sort of break your sustainment to invent a word that doesn't exist. Well, it'd be interesting to see what they do because one thing that that Anaramo does a lot of is he goes with three man pass rush and eight in, in coverage. Sure. Um, and 
you know, I think that's something that he will do uh, against the, the Bills and Josh Allen um, and see if Allen can work through that extra underneath defender. Like that up. extra underneath defender, you know, can be a problem. And they're very good at disrupting the first read with, you know, this guy's here. And why is he now in the flat? That's my read. What the heck? They're very good at that. Every yeah, so, defense wants to do that, but they're very good at it. So we'll see. I mean, this is this is a very intriguing game. And, of course, Burrow last week, you know, he was very efficient. The ball came out. Um, he, you know, he's been – We've all, we've all seen the play where he got out of the pocket. We, we've said he's the best pocket mover in the league, but we're like he stiffed our Nick Bosa and got like three – Yeah, that was a little different. That was, you know, that's not, that kind of thing's not going to happen every week. But I know, but it was – First down passing the last three weeks, Burrow – and the Bengals have been ridiculously good. If I'm not mistaken, Burrow on first down the last three games is 43 for 52. And then the numbers are off the charts. They are throwing the ball incredibly well on first down. Well, when we put this up uh, tomorrow morning, we will get those stats and, and pass them along to our viewers and readers. As always, viewers and readers, thank you for uh, observing what we do. And Greg, uh, awesome week nine. I'm so excited for this. And it starts Yeah, this, this should be a good week. There's a number of really big games. Great stuff, my friend, and we'll talk some more X's and O's next week. Thanks, Doug.